Well, good morning, Encounter Church. It's good to uh, be up here again. I know it's been a few weeks. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles uh, to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4. Uh, it's the same place that Pastor Dan uh, preached from last week, and so maybe you still have your bookmark there. Uh, maybe not. If not, you'll find uh, the book of Proverbs there in the middle of a copy of God's Word. And if you're using one of the Bibles there at the chair, you'll find it on page uh, 908. And as you're turning, turning there, I know we prayed for her already, but this morning is indeed Vonda's uh, Motzinger's birthday. So make sure you uh, tell Vonda a happy birthday uh, after. And uh, I just want to echo what Jesse said. Uh, if you are newer around here, uh, if you're kind of kicking the tires of Encounter Church and trying to see what this is all about, uh, please join us at the Quick Connect afterwards. It's something new, and uh, there is food involved. Jesse didn't mind that. Like, food always just causes the crowd to come. And uh, if you don't eat the food, then I'll have to eat the food, and uh, we don't want that. So come and uh, join with us. Uh, Jesse said that if you have unanswered questions, we'll answer them. Uh, I don't know if we can answer all of your unanswered questions, but uh, we would love to have you join with us. Hopefully you're there at Proverbs uh, chapter 4. This is kind of a mini-series uh, to start the year off. Just emphasizing some, some New Year priorities, right? And we are already 21 days into the month of January. Can you believe that? And, uh, and so we kind of feel like maybe it kind of lost that New Year's edge a little bit, but still we are on the front end of this New Year. I appreciate, thankful for Bill uh, as he preached that first Sunday and encouraged us to trust God as much as we trust our GPS to make that a priority. That was convicting to me. Do I trust the Lord in that way? And then, of course, Pastor Dan uh, last week preached here from Proverbs chapter 4, encouraging us to, to hear God's word, to, to be obedient, to listen to God's word, to read it, to take it in, and to make that a priority in our lives. And this morning, uh, the priority that we're going to talk about is that of guarding our hearts. And we see it here in Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 23, we're really, uh, there's going to be a number of different uh, verses that we do highlight, uh, but most of our time will be spent here uh, at Proverbs 4, 23. And so uh, we see this, and just follow along there. Uh, let me just read it for us. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Let me read that again. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Typically at this point, I try to introduce the big idea for you, right? A summary of, of what we're teaching, but I don't think I need a big idea. I think that is the big idea. To guard our hearts... All right, Solomon, uh, the author of the book of Proverbs, is instructing us uh, to make guarding our hearts a top priority. And the very fact that we're instructed to guard, instructed to guard our hearts above all else communicates the great value of our hearts. Right, keep this in mind. We guard that which has value. We guard that which has value. And probably many of us in here, we have a weekly ritual 
of taking the trash cans out to the side of the road, right? How many of you, by a show of hands, participate? Or maybe you have a, a neighbor, or right? You, you drag those cans, and more often than not, I remember late at night, and especially during these frozen tundra days, when you drag that thing across your frozen driveway, it makes this incredible noise that you think, oh, I'm going to wake up the neighbors, right? Am I better off to wake them up tonight or in the early in the morning when I'm running out my house slippers? But we, we set out our trash. I say that because most of us take our trash cans out, and you've heard me with this illustration maybe in the past. We set them by the curb awaiting the garbage truck to come the next morning. And I, I set my garbage can out there, and I just simply turn around and walk away. And I go inside after setting that garbage can out there, and I actually I sleep rather peacefully at night when I know my garbage can is sitting out there unattended and unprotected, right? I, I've never set up video cans or video cameras to guard my trash cans, right? I've never chained a Doberman pincher <laughs> like a, right, a junkyard dog. I've never chained a, a junkyard dog to guard my trash cans. In fact, I really don't care if a thief comes in the middle of the night and steals what's inside my trash can. Why? Because there's nothing of value, at least to me. I know they say one man's trash is another man's treasure, and I've done my fair share of dumpster diving in the past too, but at least for me, right, to me personally, what I put out by the road, unattended, unprotected, unguarded, means that it doesn't have value. And so right here, if Solomon tells us to guard our hearts, what's he telling us? He's telling us that there's something valuable about our hearts. Speaking, right, spiritually speaking. And not only does he say just simply to guard our hearts, but notice the priority he places on this practice. Above all else. I can think of a lot of priorities that I have in mind for the coming year, right? Maybe you can think of, of different goals or different uh, desires, different things that you want to see happen in your life this year. I wonder, did guarding your heart make the cut, at least until now, right? Had you, had you thought about that? Where Solomon says, above all else. And so if Solomon is instructing us to prioritize the guarding of our heart, then we need to understand there must be something of great value with our hearts, which then leads us to this uh, next understanding. What, is, what exactly is it about the heart that is so valuable that we're instructed not simply to guard it, but above all else to guard our hearts? Well, I think first we see because of the one who has given us a new heart or a heart of faith. Right? That's what we're dealing with. He's, he's talking about right, the spiritual heart, the spiritual center, the, the well-being of who you are as a person. And we have to understand that our heart of faith is a gift given to us by God. We don't deserve this heart of faith. We don't even earn this heart of faith. 
We don't somehow compel God to give us this heart of faith, but instead, a heart of faith is simply given to us out of the overflow of God's generosity and his love for us. In fact, Ezekiel describes it in this way, and I know it's, it's maybe a, a little bit harder to read here, but in Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, the prophet says, speaking as the, the spokesman, the voice of the spokesman for God, uh, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. See what happens when a person trusts in Jesus, right? When they surrender their life to the Lord, when they recognize their need for a savior, when they acknowledge their sin, and they place their faith in the one who has paid the penalty of their sin there on the cross, and on, on the third day rose again, showing how he's defeated the power of sin and death and, and lives victorious, and we can trust him in that. When we, when we believe in that, when we trust in that, what happens then is there's this remarkable transformation, and not even a transformation, Ezekiel says, the prophet, but instead it says that, we, he, that God takes that old heart of stone, that dead heart that really had no interest of, in, the, in the things of the Lord, and instead then gives us, transplants in us a new heart that now has new desires. See, that's why each of us, after trusting in the Lord, maybe we find ourselves more interested in the things of God. Wanting to grow and wanting to know the Lord. Wanting to gather with the faith community. And so Ezekiel, he actually tells us, he says that if we're going to do that which pleases the Lord, then, then we must first undergo that heart transplant. Ezekiel is clear to highlight to us that it's only God who can remove that heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh or that heart of faith, that heart that is capable of believing in the Lord. And then once we receive this new heart, it's then that we are able to live in obedience to the Lord. And so we see here that this new heart, okay, again, so Solomon's telling us, he says, guard this heart, this heart of flesh, this, this faith-bearing, this faith-believing heart Right, Solomon says, guard it because it's been given to you by God himself. And so first we have to understand that our hearts have great value because of the one who has given it to us. Another reason then why our hearts have great value is because of the role that our hearts play in our lives. Now look there in Proverbs 4.23, this verse that we're considering and learning from this morning. Notice that that verse concludes, it says, for everything that you do flows from it. Let me say that again. For everything that you do flows from this heart that God has given to you. Let me reiterate, just in case you didn't get it the first and second time. Everything you do, who you are as a person, flows out of your heart. Some versions translate this verse as saying that your heart 
is the wellspring of life. Maybe that's, the, maybe that's the translation you have sitting there in your lap. That it's the wellspring of life. It gives us this idea that, that your heart is where you go and, you, and you, get the, you get that drink of water, right? Maybe you saw on the news how Bards, or, um, yeah, it was Bardstown, right? Was having water issues and they were telling everyone to conserve water. Well, why, why, why are they telling people to conserve water? Because water is so important to us just living, right? How, how long can you go without drinking water? Not for very long. Think even more so, what if that water that you're drinking is tainted, is poisonous? See, this, this is the imagery that Solomon is saying. And notice how conclusive Solomon is in identifying the role of, of our hearts in our lives. He's not saying that 50% of who you are flows out of your heart. He's not saying 90% of who you are flows out of your heart. He's not even saying 99.99% of who you are flows out of, out of this wellspring of your heart. What does he say? He says everything, all of who you are, flows out of your heart so we can understand then why he says watch out guard your heart imagine if you lived in a village and certainly there are villages around the world like that where there's only one source of water do you think that they're going to protect that single source of water from becoming tainted? Absolutely. Because they know that if that gets tainted, then their lives are in great danger. Here's a helpful definition for the role of, of the heart that, that it plays in our lives. The heart is the wellspring of a man or a woman's spiritual life. It's the center of one's intellectual mind, their will, and emotions. The heart is the governor of who you are, of your very being. Right, so you think about this, right? Everything flows out of that spiritual center. The Bible describes it as the heart, right? Our attitudes and our actions flow out of that. Our attitudes and actions then lead to the habits of our lives. And, and, and those habits then create and make up who we are in daily living. Let's face it, church, the biggest problems of our lives or at least our responses to the biggest problems, ultimately, are heart problems, our heart issues, right? Our worries. I mean, Michael Fay mentioned, he, he's, he shared it already there from Philippians, right? Our worries are heart issues. Your pride is, is the reflection of a tainted heart. Your speech, the Bible tells us that out of the mouth, right? What, what flows out of the mouth? The overflow of the heart flows out of the mouth. And so your speech, right? So oftentimes, especially maybe, maybe this year, one of your priorities is, man, I really want to clean up my speech. <laughs> and so what do you do? You, you wear a rubber band around, you know, and you flick yourself, right? We've, we've heard of all those cheap imitations of trying to change, haven't we? Right? And, and you think to yourself, I want to change my speech, but you're not changing what's influencing your heart. 
you're fighting, you're fighting a, a, a battle that you'll never be able to overcome. Even how you, how you treat others is a matter of the heart. Oftentimes, our every response to the various situations of life truly do reveal the deep conditions, the condition of our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 tells us that all of the issues of life, man, all the issues of life, our attitudes, our intentions, our responses, our actions, our thoughts, our motives, all of it flow from the heart. So with that thought in mind, right? So what do we do? Do we just simply shrug our shoulders at the task of guarding our hearts? Right? Do we set our hearts out by the roadside and just let anyone have, have, have their pick at, at the heart? unguarded? No. Are we lazy in our approach to guarding our hearts? I would say probably many of us, we probably would shake our heads and say, yeah, I tend to be lazy. Should we be? Absolutely not. And that's why Solomon says, above all else, guard your heart. So now, this leads us to a question of what should we be guarding our hearts from? What should we be guarding our hearts from? What are the enemies of our heart? Let me provide us with five different enemies of the heart. These are five enemies that you should be watching out. And again, that idea of guarding, it describes a battle. It describes that there is indeed an enemy who's trying to attack, who's trying to influence your heart. So you need to set up that guard for it. The first is, is the worldly, uh, worldly influences. Your heart conforms to that which you allow to influence it. Think of a sponge. Right? Think of a sponge. When you, when, you dip, when you dip that sponge down in water and you bring it out and you wring that sponge out, what is going to come out of that sponge? Diet Pepsi? <laughs> no, water. Because what we've allowed to penetrate that sponge is exactly what the overflow of that sponge is going to be. And so we, as followers of Jesus Christ, should take consideration, serious consideration of what we are allowing to influence our hearts. I made a mistake. I made, I've made many mistakes this week. Already today, even, I've made quite a few mistakes. So have you, so we're in good company. Uh, but I um, made a mistake this week, and uh, I gathered, Maren, Maren was gone. She was hanging out with some ladies the other night. And uh, they were playing games. And um, I thought, well, it's just me and the kids. Why not? Let's, let's watch a movie. And there was this movie from when I was growing up that I thought, man, uh, let's watch this movie, right? This is a good, this is a good movie. <laughs> and I thought, it's rated PG. <laughs> now, let's just bear in mind, right? The 80s and early 90s PG is not today's PG, and so we're watching this movie, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, I don't, I don't remember that. <laughs> 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 
Well, wait, and, and then I'm like, uh, kids, these aren't words. That, that's not a word that we say, right? <laughs> and, and, and inside I'm thinking, I let my guard down. And I allowed the world access to not, to not only my heart, but the hearts of my children. There's worldly influences who are attempting to capture the attention of your hearts. And the means by which our hearts are influenced are through our eyes and our ears. In other words, what we allow to enter into our eyes, what we allow to enter into our ears, makes it way, has, has a direct connection to our hearts. And what you watch and listen to, church does matter. And it will influence your heart which in turn will determine your life because out of the heart flow the issues of life. Out of the heart is where you dip the cup down to get the water. And church, this year, are you making it a priority to guard your hearts from worldly influences? Are you making it a priority to, to be concerned about what you watch, about what you listen to? Young people, you cannot erase the memories of what you see and what you hear. And the devil has a very strategic and scheming way of bringing what you've seen and what you've heard to mind in some of the most inopportune times as a way of tempting us. When you guard your hearts, hear me on this, when you guard your hearts from worldly influences, you are saving yourself from future struggles. When you set up that guard, you're saving yourself. You, you might think, I'm, but, I'm, but I'm missing out on all the fun, but all my buddies are going to the movie, or all of them like this particular group, or everyone's listening to this podcast. <laughs> Everyone might be. But that doesn't mean you have to. Because there's a heart that you're guarding. And in guarding that heart, you'll save yourself a lot of heartache down the road. Philippians 4.8. Like, I tell you, I mean, if you need to like, have this laser etched on your phone, do it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's the checklist. That's the measure. 
And that we should ask ourselves, is this influence that I'm allowing to have access to my heart that is of utmost importance above all else, guard your heart. Is this pushing me toward a deeper and closer relationship with the Lord? Or is it pulling me away from him? That first enemy that we should guard our hearts from are worldly influences. And I tell you, you will be so much more effective in your witness if you guard yourself from worldly influence. You might say, but I need to know exactly all the ins and outs of this so I can connect with the world. No, I tell you what, there is something very attractive about being weirdly different than the world. The next one then, next enemy, alluring temptations. The second enemy, right again, so guard our hearts. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Alluring temptation, the second enemy to guard our hearts is alluring temptation. Temptation is that event or activity, it's a thought or or a response that's trying to lure lure you toward doing some sort of evil. Right? This temptation, um, sometimes you can bring it on by, you know, in your own efforts, right? You purposefully put yourself in that situation of temptation. Sometimes other people present temptation. I would suggest that even Satan himself or his his demonic influences are very effective in presenting temptation before us. And so it's in Matthew chapter 6 why Jesus said this. He said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. That we should guard ourselves, guard our hearts from alluring temptation. And I think there are different seasons of life, like in different seasons of life, there are different temptations that all of us struggle with. Right? For us to think that I'm, that I'm in a season of life where I really don't have a lot of temptations, you're fooling yourself. I think you consider it when you're a young student in school, right? There's that alluring t- Temptation of sin or pride, wanting to do well academically so that people will, will be impressed with your academic achievements, right? Look at me. Uh, maybe you're an athlete and uh, you want to be the star, right? The, the, the guy or the gal on the court and you want people to notice how good of an athlete you are. There's alluring temptations. I even was talking with one of my boys uh, this week about how some of these athletes, you know, after they make a three-point shoot, shot, you know, they'll, they'll kind of like shoot the three-point arrow. And one of them's like, Dad, I think maybe next time I make a three-point shot, you know, I'm going to pull it out and shoot the arrow. And I'm like, well, first of all, you need to make a three-point shot. <laughs> Secondly, uh, let's not do that. Yeah, I said, we, we, we don't need to do that. It's pride. It's alluring, though, isn't it? Right? It's alluring. But it's pride. Other alluring temptations. Maybe you've been hurt by a former friend or a coworker, and you find yourself being tempted to get even with them. Or, or in your heart, you're withholding forgiveness from them. And little by little, what's happening is bitterness is it's tainting the well of your heart. It's just like one drop at a time. Just one drop at a time. And, and we're not guarding our heart, Right? Again, if you lived in that village where there was only one well and someone started dropping poison in just one drop at a time, you're probably going to tackle the guy. You're going to say, no, we want this to be pure water. 
not, not tainted water. A couple other alluring temptations. Again, it could be that someone at work, again, kind of staying there in the workplace, maybe someone gets the job promotion that you were hoping to get, and now the sin of envy and jealousy allures you. It's luring. It lures you into falling into that trap, and your heart becomes hardened toward that person. Maybe you're, maybe you're a hardworking person and you want to provide for your family and you want to provide well for your family, which it's a, it's a noble desire. But rather than be, being satisfied with sufficiently relying for, uh, providing for your family and trusting that God is the one who provides for you, you find yourself working all the time, neglecting those whom God has entrusted to your care. Then kind of maybe swinging on the other end of the spectrum, maybe you're retired. Maybe the alluring temptation is to grow lazy in your retirement because you've convinced yourself, well, I deserve this. I've worked hard all my life. I deserve it. So I'm going to kick up my feet and take it easy. Right? This temptation creeps in little by little. Little by little. And before we know it, it's overtaken us. If you've ever been to our house, you've probably met our cat, Fanny. It's, the, it's like the cat that has this leg that kind of sticks out to the end. You know, it's, you've met, you know Fanny. Well, Fanny, um, Fanny, Fanny here recently has, has been wanting to come inside the house. And I get it. It's cold out, right? That's why I get it. Yeah, I, I can't blame her. But what happened is, um, so, and, and we've, like, there's a heating pad out there, so I don't need to receive emails on how we're mistreating our cats. But what's happened with Fanny is that little by little, uh, you know, one of the kids lets her in. Oh, it's cute. You know, it's nice to have Fanny in here, right? You let her in, and before you know it, Fanny is crouching at the door. You open that door, you turn your back, zip, she, she zips right in. In fact, there have been numerous times where we won't even know that Fanny is inside the house. And she'll come sauntering down the stairs, acting as if she owns the place. And the problem is this. Is someone let the crazy cat in to begin with? And now we find that she's pretty hard. I mean, she's like scraping on our door now, wanting in. But that's temptation. That's alluring temptation. And we think, I'm just going to crack the door of my heart just a little bit. I'm going to step into this just a little bit. There's a reason why we're told in Scripture that the evil one is hiding there, crouching at your door, waiting to jump on you, waiting to pounce. And what will happen is over time, you'll think to yourself, how long have I been allowing this temptation to take up residence in my heart? It's an alluring temptation. Watch out for it. Don't fall for it. The next one then is this, an enemy that we should watch out five. These different enemies that are trying to take over our hearts is that of excuses. The third enemy from which we should guard our hearts is that of excuses. When it comes to our lives, I think most of us, we are very good at making excuses, aren't we? In fact, since the fall of man, we have sought to make excuses for our actions. 
we go all the way back to the book of Genesis in the earliest chapters. You'll remember Adam's response to God when God confronted Adam in the garden was what? He gave God an excuse. He said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. We've been making excuses since the beginning of time. And when it comes to our hearts, an excuse is a red flag signaling that we're dropping the guard. Right? An excuse signals that we've dropped our guard. It's a weak spot in the wall. It's a chink in the armor. An excuse is a welcome mat that we put out for that which is harmful to our hearts. It's the weakening of the guard that we've set up to protect that which is valuable. Watch out when you start making excuses. Let me just tell you, here's what some of the many excuses might sound like. Well, I'm going to do this because God wants me to, to be happy. That's an excuse. Another excuse. Well, it's okay for me to feel this way because I deserve better. Another excuse might be, well, they just don't understand me. Another excuse when we don't guard our hearts is, well, at least I'm not as bad as, and we point our finger. Another excuse is, maybe just a little bit won't hurt. Or, yeah, okay, I understand it's not good for my heart, but just this one time. Just this one time. That's not guarding your heart. <laughs> that's, opening the cat, that's opening the door up and letting the cat in. And we think it's just this one time. Or what about this? Young person, I'm going to get serious about it when I grow up. Then I'll really set my sights on following the Lord. Or my needs aren't being met. Or I just don't have time for that. I mean, the excuses are, are, are over and over and over and over again. In fact, yesterday I was looking around for the house. I fell into this. I gave an excuse for my sinful behavior. It was a reflection of my own heart yesterday. I was looking around the house for a stocking cap to cover my head. Right? And I'm looking. And it's such a trivial thing. But man, those trivial things have a way of exposing the sin of our hearts. And so I'm walking around, it's cold outside, as we all know. I have a bald head, so I don't have any protection up there. And I'm looking for a stocking cap to read, uh, to, to, to wear, and I became frustrated. And, right, the rest of the family is having fun, right? They're playing games, reading books, doing all this thing, and here I am frustrated looking for a stocking cap, and I'm convinced that one of them are, are the reason, right? It's, it's probably one of your faults that I can't find my stocking cap. And so what I did is I instructed everyone to stop what they were doing until this stocking cap had been found. So they did. They were obedient. They could tell I was at a, like my, my frustration level was, was high. Again, over a stupid stocking cap. Well, we finally did find that stocking cap. We found it. Put it on my head. Kept my head warm yesterday. After we found that stocking cap, though, Marin, she offered a, a gentle, um, Marin approached me. And she said, Michael, you got a pretty huffy. That's a word we use at our house. Huffy is like just code for you're pretty frustrated. And so we huff around, huff and puff. She said, Michael, you got pretty huffy while you were looking for that hat. 
she's offering a gentle rebuke there, right? And I responded with an excuse. Instead of saying, you're right, I did and I was wrong. I, I, I responded with an excuse and I said, but I needed to find my hat. And then Marin said, sure, you needed to find a hat, but you had other choices. Now, in saying this, Marin was meaning that I had other stocking caps to choose from, but I wanted that one. Right? Others that I could have chosen, I could have worn and would have certainly kept my, my head just as warm. But in saying that, when Marin said, sure, but you had other choices, Marin's meaning stocking caps, the Holy Spirit. He poked at my heart. And he said, you also had other choices in how you could have handled the situation. And instead, you got upset. And then went on to make an excuse for it. I didn't guard my heart. In fact, the overflow of my heart was being was put on clear display. You see, rather than making excuses, we should stand with what the psalmist tells us in Psalm 141.4, where he declares, he says, do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil so that I take part in wicked deeds along with those who are evil do- doers. He says, do not let me eat their delicacies. He, what, what he's telling is, he's, he's saying, stop making excuses for, leaving, for, for, for letting down the guard of my heart. God, help me protect it. Don't allow me to quickly be drawn away and then make an excuse for it. We need to pay attention to what we say and to the excuses that we're making with our hearts. Just a couple more quickly. The fourth one then is the thief. The fourth enemy of our hearts from which we need to be guard on is the devil himself and his demonic influences which sometimes when we hear people talk about that, we kind of think, oh, that's just kind of weird. Church, I believe that there are, there's an angelic battle that is going on all around us at this very moment. And if that, there were a pair of lenses or eyeglasses that we could put on that would reveal to us the spiritual battle that's taking place, it would probably scare us. And that the devil and his forces intend to trap your heart and to steal it from you. John 10.10 tells us that the thief comes for one reason. Only to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his intended purpose. Is to steal, kill, and destroy. What does the thief want to steal from you? He wants to steal the joy from your life. The thief wants to steal your contentment. The thief wants to steal your assurance of salvation. The thief wants to steal from you the truth of who you are in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful topic that the ladies are going to be learning as their, their identity in Christ Jesus and how important that is. Women, go to that retreat. Take part in that. Right? The, the, the thief wants to steal from you the reminders of who you are in Christ Jesus. The thief wants to steal from you your reliance on God's provision, your ability to have confidence in God's promises. Ultimately, the goal of the thief is that he might steal from our heart in such a way that he can cause our heart to become a heart that questions God and his word so that we too are joining are like Adam. Or actually, it's Eve. 
where Eve said, but did God really say? Or I guess that's Satan telling Eve that, tempting her with that. That when, when Satan tempted her, did God really say that? that that's, he wants us to get to that point. And little by little the, de- the devil, little by little, the devil will begin to steal from our hearts in these areas so that we might find ourselves joining, um, find ourselves in that point, uh, at that point filled with doubt and frustration and confusion. confusion. Guard against the devil's thieving ta- tactics. And then this last one, lack of self-control. All right. And I know this is kind of a unique sermon. Typically, I like uh, going verse by verse, a little more topical here uh, this month. Uh, but this last one, lack of self-control, the fifth enemy of our hearts from which we need to guard ourselves against is a lack of self-control. Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight says this, like a city whose walls are broken, uh, through like a that whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control right think about uh, red rover red rover right how many of you you remember that growing up right red rover red rover let little johnny come over and what would you do right you were guarding together as a team you were locked arm in arm and you were guarding and you were squeezing as tight as you could and what was the goal of the runner the goal of the runner was was to find that weak link in the Red Rover line. And that's where we tend to lack self-control. You see, the Red Rover line is only as strong as its weakest link. And when, we, when we're following the Lord, right, if we, we might be pursuing God in all of these different areas, right? We might have the guard around our heart set up in all these different areas, but there might be an area where we find ourselves lacking self-discipline, where we find ourselves just plain out being lazy. And again, right? Oh, I think entertainment, church, oh, you're like, oh, here he goes again. I, I really believe one of the great weak links, one of the chinks in the armor of so many of our lives is our entertainment choices, that little by little, through humor, they're softening our heart to the ways of the world. And we entertain ourselves and we lie to ourselves, right? We grow lazy in that. We lack self-control. We don't pay attention to what we're, what we're putting in front of us. And, and little by little, your heart, your wellspring is being tainted. We lack that self-control. Right, you might recall that in the list of the fruit of the Spirit, self-control is listed. The very fact that we're instructed to have self-control signifies to us that we're in the midst of a battle between the old way and the new way of life. How seriously should we be taking the instruction in living a life of self-control? Right? How seriously should we take uh, acknowledging those areas where we do grow lazy and where we do allow our guard to go, to go down, well, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5, 29, how, he's not telling us to do it. He's, just, he's giving us a metaphor of how serious it should be. He says, if your right eye causes you to stumble or causes you to sin, do what? Tear it out and throw it away. Get serious about it is what Jesus is saying. Guard your hearts. Watch out for the enemies. For out of your heart, right, flow the issues of life. Everything there. 
church, I don't know, I would assume when we preach God's word that maybe some of our hearts have been, um, maybe we've, our toes have been stepped on, maybe our hearts have been squeezed a little bit, maybe we sense, yeah, you're right, Michael, I need to watch out. I need to take this more seriously, guarding your heart. I need to make this a priority. And maybe you would, even in your, in your heart, you're willing to acknowledge and say, I have sinned. I have not guarded my heart. I have allowed too many influences in my heart. There's a beautiful thing called forgiveness. Repentance and Christ's forgiveness. That in our own hearts, when we acknowledge and say, God, I have not done a good job with this and I need your help. Father, will you forgive me for what I'm allowing to influence and to capture my heart? And the Bible tells us, reminds us that when we confess our sin to the Lord, he is faithful and just to forgive us that sin, to cleanse us from all of that unrighteousness. And he gives us that opportunity to go at it again. But we don't do it alone, do we? We need the Spirit's help in this practice. We need the help of other believers. So as we go into this time of communion, as we think about this, I, I want to just take a few moments as we have here the verse um, on the screen. I want to encourage you, do some self-reflection. Have some evaluation of your own heart And ask the Lord in this moment as we prepare to take communion, ask the Lord to help you, to help all of us to guard our hearts and to be careful. All right, so go ahead and, and take some time just praying on your own and then I'll lead us in a time of communion. Heavenly Father, um, I just pray now and ask that your Holy Spirit would uh, tear down uh, maybe some of those uh, idols in our hearts that uh, we find ourselves going to. Uh, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would uh, shine a bright light on those areas of our hearts that we have grown lazy. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to uh, rebuild uh, the, the walls around our hearts that we might guard our hearts more effectively. 
And God, that we would uh, receive this word and truly uh, put forward the effort in making these changes, God, to do the difficult things, even, uh, even if necessary in, in families or loved ones. Uh, uh, just, just if necessary, just cleaning house. And God, that we would be reminded how important it is to guard and to watch over what's influencing us so that we might drink freely of, of the well of life that you've given to us. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you church now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you have... Uh, Uh, I'm just going to stop here. I just want to speak to the young people. So, so if, you're, if you're like under 20, listen to me. The sooner you can guard your heart, I, I just want to say, the greater danger you will save yourself from, the greater heartache you'll save yourself from down the road. Like, the sooner that you can establish those habits, you will just save yourself so much trouble. Start to establish these habits while you're young. And so that you can experience just the freeness of having a heart that is pleasing to the Lord and that's unhindered. And that you don't have to worry. And that you can go into that heart and just drink deeply of what God has for you. And I encourage you as a student, man, it might just take one of you, just one of you, to say, hey, listen, guys. What do you think about us uh, taking seriously this passage and really starting to live it out, even in our young lives, that we would do that? I think of some of you guys and some of you gals. All it takes is one of you to step forward and get serious about it. And you can have a dramatic in, impact and influence on the hearts of your peers within this church here. So I want to encourage you that to do that. All right, back to communion.